Hello, this is the England Athletics Podcast. My name's Alex Seftel. You're about to hear from an athlete whose rapid rise has caught the attention of many. 27-year-old Sam Harrison entered the sport by joining her local club in 2018. Two years later, she made the team for the World Half Marathon Championships. Last summer, she came sixth over 10,000 metres at the Commonwealth Games and the European Championships. This month, she ran a brilliant 30 minutes 51 for 10K. Paula Radcliffe is the only English athlete who has ever run faster. This is the fascinating story of how Sam got where she is today. I'd go out and, and run. There was no structure. There was no, I need to, to be fit. I've got this goal, that goal. It was, you know, I used to just go out and run and thoroughly enjoyed being outside and running. Fresh air, it was really good for my physical and mental health. Just going out and, and enjoying it is obviously, I still do. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be where I am today doing it. But it becomes a lot more structured. There's more goals at the end of what you're doing. You're sort of going out more with a purpose, which is a lot more motivating. Because, you know, before, if I didn't want to run, I could just turn the TV on and, <laughs> and sit down and watch a movie all, all evening. But now, you know, you can do that after your run because there's goals to be achieved. And, you know, it's a lot more motivating now. Tell me about the point at which you first started training with a club and training with a coach and, and what that was like just your introduction to that experience yeah so um I started off with a club um, again I wasn't being coached at this point um, so I joined not AC which is my local athletic club back in 2018 and it was again just attending the sessions so I just turn up twice a week for their sort of regimented track sessions didn't again wasn't really sure of what I should be running I would just follow the the lead group <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant I really really enjoyed it because for me I never did interval training or any track sessions or ran with groups of people so from going out just running on on, my, on the roads on my own to being in a group I thought it was fantastic uh, again I was just having so much fun with it didn't take it too serious of course I'd want to run fast as I can in the in the track session so I'd always each week compare it was like that for a good few months, really. Did a couple of club races for them on the track and off the track. I was doing my own sort of plan and still, so sort of self-coached at this point still. And then after about four or five months of that, again, when I was racing, I was getting PPEs and that type of thing. So I was progressing quite quickly. And then my current coach, Vince Wilson, uh, approached me. Yeah, we got chatting and, and, you know, he wasn't coaching at the time. I sort of got him back into coaching. He could see a huge future for me and he really believed in me and he probably believed in me more than I did myself because, again, I, I didn't understand running and, you know, the future goals as much as probably he did because he was already in the sport. So, so yeah, and, you know, he sat down with me, sort of structuring me a plan, uh, saying we've got to change things because what you're doing now is not really ideal long-term. That's interesting, the role of that conversation then in helping you to take the next step. Maybe without it, things could have been different. What particularly was eye-opening about what he said, what maybe you needed to do differently? Was it just to have more of a structured routine? It was just things that I wouldn't necessarily know was right or wrong at the time. So because I was doing my own plan, every run could have been hard or slow or didn't understand the concept of pace 
what pace I was running, I'd run every single day and, you know, I wouldn't have recovery runs. I wouldn't have easy runs. I wouldn't have, it was just, yeah, needed a lot more structure and a little bit more discipline in as well. Sort of just going off and, you know, running hard all the time isn't something that you can maintain long-term. Silly things like I go and do hill sprints and then a track session the next day and, you know, then my legs would be battered. Um, and yeah, that was it really. As we did that, then we started to get on to sort of the gym, uh, strength and conditioning, nutrition. I was so new to the sport. He didn't want to bombard me with it so much because it would have changed everything. And that could scare an athlete. It, it couldn't make an athlete think, well, what I'm doing now is okay. And then you, you're just changing everything overnight. And obviously I worked quite long hours. I was working up to 45 to 50 hours a week. So you had to work around everything. And it took time, but yeah, it all worked out in the end and and now I'm able to to be full-time and, and pursue my, my dreams really with running. Brilliant and the next step you took was the World Half Marathon Championships. What was it like to actually be part of it? Yeah so once I gained my first England best I then went on a few months later to gain my first uh, GB breast and of course that was you know that was the aim. I was so happy you know to get that selection and on the qualifying race which was the big half I can't remember if I came second or third but I podiumed on that and then that gave me uh, a secure position for the the world half you know it was such a, an amazing feeling to re- represent your country you have to pinch yourself and think I would have never years ago if somebody had said that to me I genuinely would have laughed at them and said oh I'm not good enough to achieve that but it just goes to show you know you put your heart and soul into a sport I've made sacrifices to be where I am today you can achieve everything. It's fascinating uh, to hear you say that. Given what you've been through, what advice would you give to aspiring athletes who maybe would laugh at themselves when someone would put that idea that they could have a future international vest in front of them? Yeah, I think hard work, you know, determination, um, motivation, consistency. I think all of it can, you know, lead to big dreams and it doesn't happen overnight. I think you've got to accept that, you know, it takes time. It could take a couple of years. It could take months, years. Uh, who really knows? But it's definitely, you've got to have the patience and just keep believing yourself. And, you know, if you've got a team around you that believe in you as well, you know, you can go really far with any sport, whether it's running, whether it's football, whether it's tennis, whether it's hockey, it doesn't have to just be running um, or athletics. It can be any sport. And I, I genuinely believe that because none of my family have a sporting background. Yeah, my dad, you know, keeps fit and he plays football, but um, he's never been a professional or been at a, you know, a high level. I'm not from that background. So I do think that if you just dedicate yourself to something and, and you genuinely love the sport, I think you've got to enjoy what you're doing as well. I think that you can go, can go as, as high as you want in that sport. And how would you describe the lifestyle change over the last couple of years? Has it been kind of small, minor adjustments to maybe rest, nutrition and things like that? And you mentioned working hours. Has it been a small adjustment or or a major adjustment? I guess it's been a major adjustment, but it's took time, if that makes sense. So Hmm. what do you eat in a day? How much do you eat in a day? How many calories are you eating in a day? Are you eating enough? Are you eating the right foods? So then that was the second step. So yeah, I adjusted my nutrition because working in a dental practice with patients all day, you would skip meals or you wouldn't necessarily eat the right foods at the right time. 
So I'd have long gaps of periods where I wouldn't eat. Um, not out of choice, just I physically didn't have the time. I was in surgery and you'd sometimes work through lunch break. So you'd have a 15 minute lunch trying to eat anything you can in that 15 minutes. So it was just little things like that. And then it was the gym and strength and conditioning. Like that was very important because I, at this point, um, I hadn't been injured at any point. So it was, okay, let's maintain this. You know, you've got a quite a hectic lifestyle, trying to train, work, see your friends, see your family, doing everything at once. We need to make sure you don't get injured because stress on the body, whether it's training and personal life, can trigger that. Sleep as well. I, I mention it quite a lot, but sleep is so important. I was only having about six hours sleep a night because I would get in at 10 o'clock at night, back up at 5 a.m., train, sleep, and work. Everything was just constant routine. Um, so, yeah, six hours sleep, um, some nights just, it just wasn't enough. Um, so then we adjusted that uh, seven and a half to eight hours rather than six hours. And it was, okay, you're going to have to start going to sleep earlier, even if you have to get up later and not run in the, in the morning so you can have more sleep so that you can run in the evening. Uh, of course, drinking and social life slightly dipped a little bit. So I see my friends pretty much, you know, every week, most weeks, but sort of drinking every weekend wasn't something that, you know, it wasn't the lifestyle that you can really lead to maintain the level I was sort of wanting to compete at. Um, so I sort of reduced my alcohol intake to, you know, just very, very now and again. I don't really drink very often now at all, to be honest with you, probably once every couple of months, just out of choice. Mm. Looking back now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it. It's just, I'm just at a different point in my life now. And athletics is sort of where I'm at. And, you know, five, six years ago, I was going out, uh, on girly holidays most most years and going out with the girls drinking and all that type of things so I have sort of done that stage in life and I'm quite happy to go into this new new lease of life great that you're just kind of honest about that because everyone wants to, to have a social life I'm always curious about people who work in non-sporting environments and, and you mentioned the dental practice there you must have gained a, a load of new fans perhaps your colleagues that you work with again that the sport is different to them so it must be brilliant and there there can't be many sports people who work in a dental environment I, I do remember though that the Iceland football manager used to be a dentist so that's one example but what's it like for them to kind of follow your athletics career oh yeah it, it's, it's brilliant it's nice to have friends and work colleagues that they love the sport. They love what I do, but they don't understand the sport. They know that they're great times, but it'd be like running 40 minutes would be the same as running 30 minutes to them. They don't have the concept of sort of time and paces and that sort of thing. So that's quite nice because, you know, if I didn't have a, a great, <laughs> great race, they would, either way, they'd be supporting me. They wouldn't look at me twice in any different way. Or um, So, yeah, it's great. And they're so supportive. They, they just love what I do. And, yeah, they help motivate me every day. And... They're just brilliant. I, I couldn't ask for a better team. Even my patients, because I work locally to where I live, my patients are fantastic as well. They'll come in and say, I see you running around the whole of Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I see you twice in one day. Um, and then when I went to the, uh, the Europeans and the Commonwealth Games, um, I work made a bit of a fuss out of it, bless them. They put um, sort of banners up in the practice and was telling patients about it. And a lot of them was asking why I wasn't there because I had about three months of off work. So they would say, why is Sam not here? She left now. And then they would explain that, no, she's just having sort of an extended 
uh, leave off um, so she can focus on her training and recovery. Patients were brilliant. They was adding me on uh, sort of Instagram and Facebook and messaging me. So it's a great environment that I'm in and I love it. I love the mix of, you know, being in the running world, but also out of the running world into normal life. No, it's fantastic to have something else to focus on, something else to think about, to look at. Now, um, we have to talk about Commonwealth Games. Just what was that experience like for you? Obviously, a home championships, an England vest, a great crowd as well. Talk me through the experience. It was phenomenal. I, I don't think I've ever experienced such a championship like that before. It was just amazing. The home crowd were, it gives me goosebumps now. They they were just fantastic. They were just screaming in the in the stadium. Because when you do a 10,000 metres, obviously it's quite a lot of laps. So you sort of switch off mentally in the laps. And all I remember is, was it the last 800 metres? Because the crowd just went mental. And I looked up and I was like, oh, we've got two laps to go. Okay, I really need to kick now. Um, and that was just purely because of the crowd were just screaming that's how I knew it was you know at the end of the race purely by the crowd so it was great and you know that friends and family could come and watch and support and that was special because they've never watched me in a, in a game like that before so it was an experience for them but yeah everyone everybody was so proud at home and and yeah it was a great experience and yeah I'm hoping to be able to do that again yeah, once you've had a taste of that, you want something more, right? I mean, but 10,000 metres on the track, I know you've said before that you're not that experienced at track, you're not as much of a, a track specialist. Has that been an adjustment as well, just to get used to 25 laps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I had um, a big fear of the track. It, it was something that I feel like I didn't have much experience with and I always felt as if I didn't fit in in the track and I changed that um, after 2020. Me and my coach sat down and said, right, we need to prep for this 10,000 metres. We need to change the mindset on the track. And you just need to go for it. You, you belong here. And, you know, training is going gonna, is gonna to make that. So my coach, he's a former 800 metre runner. So, you know, a lot of his experience he helped me with. And brilliant. He really gave me the confidence on the track specific sessions so in lots of long long reps on the track um, we went over the over the distance of the 25 laps on the track just so you can say you know you've done over distance so 25 laps is actually okay when you've done you know quite a lot more than that so all of that helps being a bit more tactical on the track adjusting the way I run now I love the track that is a main focus that I'm, I'm heading towards now as you go round, are you counting laps are you counting kilometers are you doing maths in your head or or not <laughs> um, it depends what what mood I'm in on the day um I do a lot of everything in miles so I'll just say come on you've just got a mile to go or um I'll go up to 5k and not look how many laps I've done until 5k mark and then I'll look where I need to be at the 5k and think okay just one more 5k to go and you just sort of break it up in your head to, to what suits you um, but definitely I try not to look every lap that could be quite soul destroying. <laughs> so the start of the year is often a time for new year's resolutions I mean for one you could inspire a lot of people with what you've been through over the last few years but what are your resolutions I suppose one could be getting the the park run record back because you broke the record only for Melissa Courtney Bryant to uh, usurp it a few days later. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, we might give that a go again. Who knows? I'll definitely be in park run 
as some sort of session again. So whether that's going to be a record or not, who knows? Yeah, New Year's resolutions. I try not to make too many because, you know, avoid disappointment. And I just think, you know, carry on the year as, as you go on. I'll make slight little goals, as I call them. But if I'm honest with you, it's, you know, start the year as you mean to go on. Keep working hard, you know, keep making time for, you know, yourself, family, friends, um, look after yourself. You always want to keep bettering yourself as an athlete um, each year. You know, you're thinking about championships and what's going to be that year. It's the World Championships and what will I uh, focus on in, in that? And and the main focus for me is continue to get those times down in the in the 10,000, in the half marathon, in the marathon, even in the 5,000, you know. Yeah, PBs would be brilliant. Hopefully make a championship. I'd like to try and do the World Half get high up in the rankings with that I'd like to see how I do in the marathon and yeah and just keep keep performing stay injury free and keep performing and then you know we'll see where 2024 sort of takes us from there because you know that's going to be a, a big year and a big focus getting the times down and, and improving and into Paris 2024 now Brilliant. Well, it's been really interesting to hear about your journey over the last few years and refreshing to hear about someone who's kind of, um, yeah, opened their eyes through a different journey into the sport than most. So um, congratulations on all you've achieved and uh, good luck for the future. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Really fascinating stuff from Sam Harrison. As I say, she's just gone fourth on the British all-time list for 10K with that clocking of 30.51 in Valencia. That's taken six minutes off the time of her first competitive 10k on record, which was four years ago. What a way to open up 2023. She was out there with an England Athletics squad as part of our programme of team and selection opportunities. More information on those at englandathletics.org, including just announced teams for combined events meeting in Tallinn and the Hustapec high jump event. But this is also an important time of year in the cross-country calendar, with athletes and coaches working on fitness levels after what is traditionally a break from racing. Among the highlights are, of course, the national cross-country championships, but also the regional ones. The South West held its championships in Somerset this year. Athletes braved the muddy woods, and Steve Parsons was there as a team manager for North Somerset AC. I'm primarily here to organise the teams, put the tent up, um, which I take a load of stick for, uh, but to organise the teams, get them organised, get them motivated, and um, get them out on the course, warming up, motivate them really to get them to enjoy the event and get the most out of it. The atmosphere is always a bit dour at these events in the middle of winter, especially when you've had you know, heavy rain and the course is really heavy. But actually, um, once the event kicks off and the races start running, I think the atmosphere is quite good. You can see the support's really good, especially at the front, you know, the, the, all the coaches and the managers, they want their athletes to be performing. Yeah, it's a great deal of interest, I think. Well, thanks to Steve and Sam Harrison indeed for talking to us and to you for listening to this podcast. You can catch up, of course, on previous episodes, including the last one with Sally Gunnell, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and Google Podcasts as well. Let us know, get in touch if there's anything you'd like to be featured. 